Hello, I'm Dr. Claire Steffen, and I am a psychologist, a life coach, wellness coach, business coach, and brain health coach, as well as a certified alcohol and drug counselor. And today we are going to explore the question, why we love. Now, it seems like a simple enough uh, kind of a question, and it should be in many ways, but then why does it get so complicated? So that's what we're going to explore today. And on the surface, um, it's easy enough to understand that we have a couple of drives that cause us to fall in love. And one has to do with brain chemistry. And we can feel the sense of security and happiness when those neurotransmitters that allow us to feel those emotions are released such as dopamine and the feel-good kind of chemicals that happen um, when we fall in love. And then there is also the emotional aspect of love that we experience. The problem can be that our brain can trick us, and so we can become enamored with the sense of the emotions that we are feeling and also the response to the stimulation that happens when we are falling in love with somebody, and that can be tricky. <laughs> so we don't always know, are we truly in love, or is this just an emotional response or a chemical response to a person? First and foremost, we are social beings, and we want to connect. We want to have a sense of belonging, and that can drive the reasons why we fall in love. Um, and there are many practical reasons why we fall in love in order to create a family, um, in order to have security financially, emotionally, and to have that sense of being that I was referring to. As infants, we experience bonding, and in healthy situations, we learn to mirror the emotions of love and to be able to express them when we feel these emotions. Part of that connection is that we see ourselves in the person that we love, and we get a reflection back of who we are. So that is part of that connection. It's affirming. It's telling us that we are good and that we are lovable and that we are worthy of the love. But what happens when we have a situation of trauma or loss or abuse in which this is not happening and we're not getting the mirror emotions reflecting back to us that we are worthy or that we are lovable. Perhaps when that occurs, we start to love others in a way that reflects those negative messages of being unworthy or unlovable. We become narcissistically wounded and the expression of love can really become egocentric and not really about exploring and getting to know at a deep level, an understanding of what the other person is. People talk about their love languages, you know, whether it's gift giving or if it is in the physical realm, you know, or any of the other ways in which people express love and being able to understand each other through that expression of love and the way that we best communicate those feelings. Even when we have information about each other's love languages, we can still make mistakes or we can forget how important those uh, 
we can also forget how important it is to understand each other's love languages. Sometimes people are brought together because of their religious or spiritual beliefs, and this can be a bond that connects them at that deeper level of understanding. Relationships are dynamic, and we go through many changes, and it's a matter of whether or not these changes we go through bring us closer together or can end up bringing us apart. So why do we love? You know, sometimes you can see in the other person traits or characteristics that are lovable or they remind you of someone you've loved in your life. Perhaps it's a parental figure. Um, And so they're admirable traits that give you pleasure to be around. And certainly that's part of the love experience. Um, But we're not perfect beings, and sometimes those things that are our most important strengths can be taxed or under stress. They may not come out as frequently as they do when we're dating. And under, you know, that courting experience, people tend to put their best foot forward. And under stress, we may not be seeing those traits quite as frequently. You might begin to question why coworkers or other friends see the better part of your partner than you get to see. So this is where the simple question of why we love becomes more complex and we start to question why do we love this other person and how is it that we fell in love with them in the first place and trying to remember maybe what were those qualities that made us fall in love. In other episodes, I've shared with you my model, The Big Five of Healthy Relationships, and I'll just review it here briefly um, as a reminder. So the five elements are trust, respect, empathy, mutual support, and validation. And I broke these down, each of them having three different characteristics that explain or define them. So looking at trust, it is about honesty and it is about reliability. So in other words, knowing that your partner, your friend, your family member's behavior is reliable in such a way that it's consistent and that you know that you can take that to the bank, basically, that it's predictable and that there's something there that you can count on. And the third element of that is consistency. And so, yes, it's reliable, but in a consistent manner. In other words, it will um, be, as I said earlier, predictable, and it will continuously be something that you know um, that you can count on from that person. When we're talking about respect in a relationship, It is having the integrity, in other words, doing the right thing whether anyone is looking or not, and respect for your personhood or your being, as well as respect for each other in the relationship. With empathy, it is about caring, and it's not just during times of grief and loss, but it's also the ability to be empathetic, to understand that each of us has limits and boundaries, and that those limits are significant and are an important part of our health and not to try and push or coerce somebody past their limits of what is healthy or comfortable to them. 
when we are talking about being emotionally or mutually supportive, it is on an emotional level. It can be on a financial level. However, that's defined out. Doesn't necessarily have to be a traditional relationship uh, with the old sense of the male being the provider. That's probably not too realistic in today's world. But however, it gets defined out that there is, um, you know, the availability to mutually support one another. And the third element of that is role responsibility. And again, that doesn't have to be traditionally defined. It's how you work it out um, as a couple and decide who is going to do what. And it's really um, important in that case to be speaking to each other's strengths so that um, it doesn't add to a stress in a relationship, so that you make a determination or decision as who does what best and what they do best. And this last element is something that people tend to not think about too much, but I spoke of it earlier, and that is the validation of the relationship. Validation of you as an individual and that mirroring of reflecting back who are you through the relationship, through the eyes of that other person, seeing your strengths, seeing your being, and seeing you for who you truly and authentically are. And then validating personal boundaries within the relationship, which kind of comes back to that limits, you know, that I was speaking about in uh, just a minute ago, you know, that those limits and boundaries are really important and that each of them, each of us have these personal boundaries. In other words, places where you have to say, no, you can't come into this part of my being. This is something I have to protect because it is what keeps me healthy. So validating that in the relationship. And the last part being just validating the relationship itself. So acknowledging that it is a relationship um, for others to see. So typically we will see trust at the core of this and that that can be what really drives the relationship. But under certain circumstances, it may be that respect is equally important and is at the core of what is happening in a relationship that causes balance or imbalance. It can be a question of empathy and um, giving each other as much empathy as you give to others or even that you might give to a stranger. Uh, and that mutual support sometimes comes in question. It might be at the core issue of what's happening in a relationship and or that sense of validation of who am I, who are you, who are we as a couple and being able to work through any issues that arise that are about any of these um, five elements which are trust, respect, empathy, mutual support and validation. I recently came across a model for well-being that I want to share with you that aligns closely with my own model and definition of wellness. And this one was put forth by Dr. David Weiss. In the model, he explores the dimensions of wellness. Dr. Weiss presents eight different components of wellness that are connected to our choices around wellness and the first one being emotional, second, social, and spiritual is the third. The next three components are about our intellectual relationship, 
our emotional or mental, and third, our occupational choices. The last two are environmental and or financial. So all of these are in play when we're talking about relationships and how we form relationships within each of these different components. And, you know, if you think about it, they can be either considered anything on the spectrum from healthy to unhealthy, depending on how we relate to that um, specific element. So how healthy our love relationship is could be viewed through any of these eight different spectrums. And how healthy we are within each of those different eight categories could be dependent upon resources and our skills and abilities. Do we love in order to feel optimal health, in order to feel a sense of security and again, conform with that idea that we are social animals and that we love because we want to have a sense of belonging or feeling that we are connected. There is also the concept of universal love, you know, which is about the acceptance and understanding of our differences and appreciation for and even tolerance for those differences. And in many religious or spiritual circles, we learn about universal love and the importance of, just as being humans, appreciating and loving one another, no matter our differences, and to really understand that those differences are a part of the beauty of being human. Perhaps there are times where it would be easier to be alone less to manage within each of those eight categories of choices we were just talking about, or maybe less complicated in the five elements that I spoke of earlier as to what makes up a healthy relationship. You know, certainly in terms of predictability, we might be able to, to control or predict our own behavior more than we can of a partner or someone else. But that's the risk, isn't it, that we take when we fall in love. We believe and we trust that that other person is going to have our well-being in mind. And we put ourselves in a position of at risk or taking the risk to trust that that's going to be respected. But as I said earlier, relationships are dynamic and people change and things are not always as predictable as we might hope they would be. And so why do we fight so hard to hang on to relationships even when they aren't healthy? Maybe it's because as human beings we seek balance. You know, we feel less anxious when we have what we call homeostasis. And that homeostasis occurs in all those different um, categories that we were speaking of that drive choice, all those eight different categories that... Uh, Dr. Weiss outlined so eloquently. Maybe on some level the answer is simple, that we love because we want to be loved. We want to be accepted. We want that validation that we are good and that we are worthy of love. But is that enough, or is that really a narcissistic kind of approach to loving? If we are narcissistically wounded, we may not be in a position to actually love in a healthy way. 
So we have to work through and figure out who am I, what is it that is causing me imbalance in life, and how can I be healthier? So you could actually look at those five different aspects of a healthy relationship and assess this within yourself to see if the relationship you have to yourself in terms of that trust, respect, empathy, and mutual support for yourself within other relationships and validation is occurring or whether or not you have some problems in those areas that need to be addressed or need to be changed in some ways in order to be healthier. As human beings, we are imperfect, but sometimes we can love each other for those imperfections. There can be something humorous about our imperfections, but what happens when it becomes a thorn in our side or it becomes an obstacle to loving? And sometimes they say the things that we fell in love with a person for in the first place that we thought were uh, perhaps kind of charming don't necessarily remain the reasons why we stay in love with somebody. And in fact, those things may become the, the areas that we wish they would change or they're no longer as cute or funny as they once were. So it does take work to get to know a person on a deep enough level to understand them in each of those different eight categories that Dr. Weeks described so we can understand what drives their choices in life and we can figure out whether or not they are aligned with the choices we would make. Because if we don't do that, then there starts to be stress in a relationship. And it may be that they topple in such a way that it's harder to sustain a relationship and stay together and feel that connection that made you fall in love with a person in the first place. We know it's not enough to say, I love someone just because I don't want to be alone, you know, or for financial reasons, or for the children, you know, because children are intelligent and they figure out that you're not really loving each other in a healthy way. So that doesn't generally work very well for anyone. Some may say we love because it's a reason why we procreate and we continue on with the human species. Uh, there is scientific evidence to support that we are healthier when we love or when we feel loved because we don't experience as much isolation and we have more support in all the different aspects that keep us healthy. We know the reasons why we love are truly not simple. It is a much more complicated question and how it is that we even are successful in loving one another in this world is also a complex question. You know, the way people approach dating and relationships has changed so much, even in the last 10 years, it continues to change. And um, maybe it's become more difficult to really get to know people on a deeper level in the way that we approach dating than it once was. People can present themselves in a way that shows them in the best light and it might be deceptive and uh, so we have to work through those issues as well, especially in social media and places where people have an opportunity to deceive 
Uh, and, you know, then you might connect to somebody and think you have a partner who is somebody quite different than who they really are. Not to say that that couldn't happen in face-to-face -face experiences. It certainly does. But when you uncover something like that might have happened or is occurring, then you have a choice that you have to make and determine as to how are you going to remain healthy within the context of that relationship or whether or not it might need to end in order for you to maintain your health. When that occurs, we might experience some sense of inadequacy or question our own ability to be worthy of love. But that doesn't have to be the case, and it certainly doesn't have to remain as a problem. So going back to the simple premise of where we started today, looking at why we love from that chemical experience and the release of the chemicals that make us feel good from our brain, and that being part of the reason why we love, because it simply makes us feel good, and emotionally how we feel whether it brings us security or it brings us a sense of belonging or a sense of well-being about ourselves are certainly good reasons why we love. And I think that will always be a part of the human experience and an aspect of why we love. There are many psychological reasons why we love, sometimes you know, simply driven by a fear of being alone and it is uh, on us really to explore uh, our relationship to ourselves, to understand who am I and to get to know what could be the reasons why you might be afraid to be alone. You know, is it because there's some sense of, you know, uh, thinking that you're not good enough or that you're not deserving the love? And if that's the case, then you have to find answers to that because that's certainly not accurate information or it's not rational or true. Ultimately, why we love is a complex question. It's not a simple question, but certainly each of us is intelligent enough to be able to figure out why we love. You may at times feel like, well, I'm not, and I'm certainly making a lot of mistakes, but even if that is true that you're making mistakes, it doesn't mean that you're not worthy of the love or that you're not capable of loving or deserving of it. So why we love is just not a hedonistic pursuit. In other words, it isn't just about feeling good. It is for many different reasons, some of which are spiritual some of which are emotional. And when I talk about spiritual, I don't necessarily mean just religious. I also mean that sense of a higher sense of who you are as a person and being the best person you can be and finding that this is true in a relationship with someone else and that the relationship allows you to be the best person you can be. But first, you have to address that in your relationship with yourself so that you know you believe in yourself and you believe already that you are a good person who is worthy and that you are making yourself the best person you can be. Certainly, the world is a better place when we love each other universally and that we respect our differences and not only just with tolerance, 
but with a joy of our cultural appreciation for how each of us brings something wonderful that is a gift to the table that we can share with one another in a loving way. Perhaps the question of why we love is dynamic. It too is ever-changing because it is relational. I've said many times in other podcasts that everything in life is relational. So I think it is true that why we love is a relational question. We're capable of loving many different people in different ways throughout our life. And that each time we have love for someone, it improves us in some way. It does make us better. And we gain something by loving. Even if it is something as simple as that we have the ability to give something and it doesn't have to be monetary, to someone else that helps them improve. We can love experiences. We can love our relationship with our animals. Um, There's many ways in which we can love, all of which are good. Sometimes talk about things we are passionate about, like our hobbies. We can love to cook. We can love music. We can love films. Um, And maybe it is because when we're saying that, we're saying we experience that chemical release. We experience that good feeling that happens when we're in that situation. Love can be a life force. It makes us feel vital. It makes us feel alive. Perhaps the reason we love is simply because it is what it means to be human. And as the Indian culture has told us, Native American Indian, that the best thing we can be on this earth is human. Perhaps that is the reason why we love. 